Um, oldest start is 11. We have an eight-year-old son and a two-year-old. Yes. The surprise two-year-old, two-year-old huh? Sweetheart. Yeah. That's my wife's fault. Okay. <laughs> last time i heard it took two people one job one listen job. To me, y'all. i don't know who listening what they okay. but listen to me i'm like a baptist when it comes to the bedroom i'm like i need to where you coming from and she came in with some new tricks okay. i was like okay and that's how we got czar so that's all i <laughs> I mean, I'm usually right, but that's <laughs> it's not going to happen. Never, no way. Let's go back. Don't share that story. Hang on. Did I go too fast? You just jumped to purpose, which is you. You're a visionary. I see your connection here. <laughs> Love or work. Welcome to the Love or Work podcast. This is Jeff. And I'm Andre. And man, we have a good episode today. Yes, we do. Today, we have Adam and Dontoya Thomason. And so much to say. She's a mom. She has three kids. She homeschools. Mm -hmm. She cares for the home and the kids. And he has started a bunch of things. He's like a renaissance man. That's a good way to explain him, actually. He's a renaissance man. It's like hard to pinpoint him in one thing, but he has a company called Three Strand Films. Yeah. He's kind of launched that in the last year. You're going to see a lot of films coming from him and his team. They do incredible incredible work and um yeah it was really good to sit down with them and learn from them and hear their story i feel like i feel like there's a lot of things i i, I really appreciate they explain things in a fresh new way yes for sure um, and some good resources even listening and their books and resources to like give to us it was great would you call me a renaissance man <laughs> What do you mean? No, I have a podcast. No, I call you an idea books. man. I call you an idea man. I I made a company around bags. Idea man. You're I'm an a, idea I man. Good, I have a baker. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I ran one. I feel like you're trying to convince me. I ran one and triathlon. And a true renaissance man wouldn't try to convince somebody that they're a renaissance man. Remember, <laughs> but wait, remember my triathlon? Yeah, you did do that. I did it. I said <laughs> I said I was going to do it and I did it. Now, I did get That's some critiques. That's just a goal in doing it. That's just a goal and then you did it. That doesn't make you a renaissance man. You guys did critique me about my swimming. I do remember that. Well, I get done with this entire <laughs> triathlon. I don't remember It was like those. a bucket list that you don't remember. I'm going to no. bring it up. I get done with this whole thing. I'm kind of high on life. I mean, I just finished a triathlon and then every, all you people that were watching said that I didn't actually swim. Well, because it was shallow water and you did the run in the shallow water for most <laughs> as of, far as I could. <laughs> most of the water. Because part. I did go under and it was all mud because there was so many people like picking up, you yeah, know. It was an ocean one, right? And there was so yeah. much sand and dirt, like you couldn't even see. So I'm like, why would I be literally putting my face in mud when I can just run? <laughs> <laughs> you ran through the swimming. <laughs> <laughs> I swam part of it. But for the most part, it was about four feet deep. So I was pretty good with running. Okay, Renaissance man. Good job. That's what a Renaissance man does. You know, he just kind of, he he, he looks at all. Yeah, he adapts. He, adapts. he sees opportunities. <laughs> he changes. He tweaks. He boom, 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 boom. 
like you know an okay. average an average but again, triathlete you're still trying <laughs> the average triathlete would swim <laughs> to which is swim, I am a triathlete run bike like most do I am a triathlete is would you call me a triathlete <laughs> no not one bit no you did it once but though. I finished I did I finished you did I have a I have a thing but again you're still trying metal. to convince me you're a renaissance man Think which about all, I've, essentially I've half proves marathon. that you're not a renaissance man <laughs> Adam did not have to convince. During COVID, I edited a video. Actually, just, when, let's just keep when done to said it, I just believed it. I and know. he didn't have to say a word. Adam, you, you are him? way, you definitely He's are way, way more of a Renaissance man than I am. Uh, okay. <laughs> One of the things that he did just recently that I thought was amazing was he illustrated, you don't know this. Yes, I uh, did see oh, you that. Did? Hello, I follow him on social media. As The Last Dance was coming out, Michael Jordan's amazing documentary, he did this hand-illustrated Like Disney-style animation, animation page Jordan by dunking. page. It was amazing. It really was. I 100% agree. All wow. right, so y'all have a treat today. And hang on, that's why he's more of a Renaissance man than me because I've never done, I've never done it. You've never drawn anything. No. <laughs> I do wear Jordans, but that's a whole different thing. <laughs> so let's get right into the three things. <laughs> the three things we need to be listed for. Number one, dead fish handshakes. Yeah, it's a real thing. It's a thing. And actually, I should have brought this up, but I've been told, this will be a debrief we have to have with them at some point, but I've been told when you become a president, you actually learn how to give handshakes like that because you shake shake hands so often. I don't believe that. Yeah. I believe that a president would have a firm handshake. Number two, growing up in Detroit. Okay. And number three, releasing vulnerability. Love it. Here we go. Here's Adam and Antoya Thomason. Well, it's funny. We actually just celebrated 13 years of marriage, and I just found out a new piece of our love story. Just It just was an aha moment to me at this 13-year anniversary. So we had a mutual friend who's a matchmaker. She's matched like 11, 12 people that have gotten married. Like professionally? And or like- No, she's a professional matchmaker. She, just, <laughs> she could be. All up in your business. She could be. <laughs> she's all up in your business. <laughs> yeah. so she tried to get us to meet for a year. Because yeah. um, she used to you know, know Adam from a place and then know me from a place. So she just kept trying to. And to be honest with you, I was like, oh, this is probably the only black guy you know. And I'm the only black girl you know. <laughs> so I figured think we should go together. This would happen to us all the time. That's relatively true in the white church. It so. is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not a yeah. So. yeah. I used to like singing on stage and like old white men would come up to me and say, hey, I know a black guy. I mean, that really is. Yeah. So I'm not joking. So oh my I, would, God. I was really hesitant. Yeah. So, um, so I just kind of dodged it for a year. Um, then one day she brought him and some friends to church. You can correct me anytime without telling me that they were coming. And so I was singing and I said, Hey, I met him. She was like, I'm so sorry. I didn't tell you, but Adam's here. Please come meet him. I was like, great. So I go meet him. He says that I gave him a dead fish handshake. I don't remember this. <laughs> I felt like Listen was- to me. Y'all. Listen to me. She said whatever she wants to. <laughs> okay, I have my bachelor's in fashion design and I spend time around women. <laughs> I know at the day when the women is when women are interested in a guy. So she's not gonna sell me on this. Uh prime. I go, you just weren't in- so just come off of it. Like I've been around a ton of women, and, okay. and, and it, this you don't have to over speak it. Correct me if I'm wrong. Another woman on the pot. 
You can tell when a woman is interested in the guy, yes or no. Yeah, now you're she's the not, now yeah. she's like, I don't want to get anybody in trouble. I'm, totally I'm not going to take sides. I'm, I'm nodding because I'm there. I get it. I yeah, get it. You know what I'm saying? And everybody listening. Y'all know when a woman is feeling this. Okay. So all I'm saying, I'm like, I knew within five seconds, like, she's not feeling this, so which is had, fine, but don't, you know what I'm saying? So you have this, like, not feeling this vibe. So we meet, and I said, hey, after I'm done, when this is all over, I'll come back and say hi. This is where it gets a little tricky. It's too long for this podcast. At the end of the day, Adam <laughs> kept dealing the fact. I had Did to you leave. Come back I had to no. leave. Oh, See, no. Did she come back? Yes, that's what y'all need to ask. Oh, did you, you didn't. You didn't. Did you come back? I did not come back. Oh no. So, long story short, that that was a fail, right? This is MySpace. Day. No, I was epic. So I left my phone at home. I had to MySpace the girl. Like, hey, I had to go. I'm so sorry. It was nice meeting him. I'm not interested, but tell him thanks for coming. All right, which was evident in the handshake. So my head, and then you don't come back. I'm like, that's just... You got all the clues you needed. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So then the girl and I had... We had speeding tickets. We didn't know this. We went to a defensive driving class. So for six hours, she told me about how Adam was my husband. So I... And conversely, she's texting me to meet her. I was like, Brandy, I'm not meeting this girl, the dead fish. This is... Come on. <laughs> just let it go. Yeah. Let it go. She wouldn't let it go. So for the sake let of both go, of us, man. her being our friend, we went and we met up that night. They left us to where he had to take me back to my car. Kind of this whole thing. But, you know, we talked for like yeah, several hours and it was a really good conversation. And I left thinking, eh, you know, I don't think it's like that, but he's a cool dude. But then we just kept seeing each other. And I just remember, I just liked being around him. Like when I started meeting his friends, I liked the way he laughed. I liked the way they looked at him when they talked to him. Like, I just was like, I can't get enough of this dude, but I don't, you know, I don't really feel like that. <laughs> <laughs> but then we, we started dating two and a half months later, we were engaged. And then eight and a half months later, we were married. Wow. Oh. That was fast. It was fast, uh, yeah. So, and 13 years later, you know, here we are. Three kids. Three kids. And thir- thir- 13 years later, he hasn't let you forget that handshake. Let's be clear. Let's be I know. Clear, right? Like, we got to soften up that. Hey, I don't bring it up. I just like, if people ask, you got to tell the truth. <laughs> you got to tell the truth. So, you have yeah. three kids, and tell me their ages again. I'm oldest, start is 11. We have an eight year old son and a two year old. Yes, the surprise two-year-old, two year old, huh? Sweetheart, yeah. That's my wife's fault. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Last time I heard, it took two people. One job. One listen job. to me, y'all. I don't know who listened what they, <laughs> okay. but listen to me. I'm like a Baptist when it comes to the bedroom. I'm like, I need to, where you coming from? And she came in with some new tricks. Okay. I was like, <laughs> okay. and that's how we got Zark. So that's all I... <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm just, I'm gonna let so I say that's my wife's fault. I'm like, hey, what magazine you been reading? Okay. <laughs> She's all embarrassed. Look at her. One job. Sorry. He had one job. One job. <laughs> La- now, granted, last I checked, most guys were not like all that upset about new tricks. Let's be honest. I, I, mean, <laughs> I, I ain't think, mad at it. I, she's just yeah, there, I like, think you like that new trick. I was like, That's, this is what Zari is. Like, hey, number three in the house. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's amazing. All right. So 13 years. Uh, so what have you guys learned that you can share with others? Like that you, they have really like kept bringing you guys back together. I mean, you guys, I know 
you've traveled a lot. You have um, lived in multiple places together. But what continuously brings you two together? Uh, I would say I would give with another guy at the time. I think he was nearly 44 years. And I, and I asked him that question. Hmm. And uh, you say you got to let the person evolve from where you met him. And y'all got to take that journey together. Hmm. He said, if you don't take that journey together, use them as the way you want to see them. And you'll never uh, evolve. And he said, and he put, you know, the whole air quotes. He said, and that's how people fall. They just don't evolve with each other together. Hmm. So how do you do that in the sense of practicality? Like get real practical with that. Does that mean you are trying to experience life in the sense of you travel together to have these experiences together? Does that mean you, um, you know, your wife is learning about something related to women and this and that, and you're learning with her? Like what, what, give me some practicals here. So I'll say for myself, speaking to her, uh, yeah, I would say I definitely said that it's letting them expand. So she's saying, hey, I'm watching, you know, said show on singing. I, I want to know about the show. If she's watching said show on, now it's not about singing. It's about building homes or interior design. It's like you got to move where that current goes instead of saying like, oh, man, you don't want interior design. You wasn't on that. Yeah, but I am now, you know. Um, it's trying to find money if you are traveling, saying, you know, you can't get me unless she can come as well. You know, mm-hmm. trips to Spain, which was a pivotal trip for us, and South Africa, they're another pivotal trip that we were able to go together. Yeah. Um, I've said this, like, to many people before. Like, for me, it, it really is just a resolve. Like, at some point, as hard as it's been, I have resolved to be here for myself, for my kids, for him. And so it's like, that is really what kind of leads me. So even in the hard times, I think a a big thing with us is we both have really strong personalities, you know, but they're not the same. So uh, you really just got to get in there and try to love them for whatever that strength leads to, you know, and vice versa. So for me, it really is just like, I'm here, I'm not leaving. So how can I move with you? You know, and it's same thing. It's like, you're on this. Okay, let me work to get on this. I homeschool our kids. I stay home. So I can't go on every trip, you know, like I can't do everything, but instead of internalizing that, I have to be joyful for him and be excited for him when he gets to do things, learn from those things. And then if I have an opportunity, you know, he has to lay down some of his stuff so that I can go somewhere so that I can do some things. So it really is like, it is not fluffy. It is intentional every day. Choose that other person over yourself. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Uh, and some days, I mean, and it's not like pretty. It, it's really not like fluffy. It is re- being involved and then convincing yourself that it's worth it. And, and considering that and not having the arrogance that you can expand your personality, your breath of life just left to yourself. And that's another thing that I realized is that my, my wife helps expand my humanity. So I'm always looking to see, hey, what are you into? Because there are things you're going to gravitate towards that I'm not going to gravitate towards. Mm. You know, and that actually helps me in my personhood. Mm. But if you if you if you're arrogant, you're like, oh, man, she can't. Why? Why? I mean, she on that. Like, if you had that mentality, you're not even gonna think that that person's personality, because y'all see it different, can actually expand your humanity. And that in that way, you start kind of be like subconsciously uh, condescending and pushing the person away. Yeah. Adam, I know you've talked about before, um, just the learning vulnerability in marriage and that vulnerability with each other. 
Tell me what you've learned about that and what that has, how that has changed you. Yes, yeah, that's, that's a good question. For me, growing up in Detroit, the vulnerability is like the middle finger. It's just like, <laughs> you can't tell no other guys like, hey, man, what you said to me hurt me, man. You know, <laughs> you, you definitely can't say that to women as well. It's like, it is a tough, very tough environment, right? So now you go your entire life like that, and then you get married, and now you hear you know church saying like, "Hey, you need to be vulnerable." You go, "What vulnerability is what got you killed? It got you jumped, right?" Mm-hmm. So what I realized though is uh, vulnerability to me it keeps the pain from building up and and coming out in this explosive. I call it Black Panther suit living, where you just keep absorbing this stuff, and then eventually it just comes out like, and you're like, "Where did that come from?" Mm-hmm. And so vulnerability keeps the uh, emotions of the of my dam from just like building up and creating this pressure to where it comes out. Because you, know? you mean because you're releasing those emotions on a daily basis. Yeah, you release them on a daily basis, and you're admitting who you are and where you are. And 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 for a lot of times, if you from where I come from, and I, I would say most people. But if you admit where you really are in, at the core of who you are, for my environment and most people, the fear is that will be taken advantage of mm. and you'll gain an advantage, overpower me and do something destructive to me. Yeah. Mm. You know, so. yeah. And I think it's been important for me too. We both, I don't know, I can't, we don't speak for every black person, but we do come from different black backgrounds, but like survival mode. You know what I mean? I have a, had a teenage mom and three kids by the time she was 21. You know what I mean? So like all these little kids and she just had to work and survive. And there wasn't a lot of like, oh, I love you. I mean, it just was like, be hard. We got to keep moving to the next thing. You know, we just got to pay this bill. We got to eat this food. We got to do this thing. And so I think neither one of us came in with this sort of flowery, lovey-dovey. And not that that even is what vulnerability is, but we didn't come to the marriage with any of that. So we're both just storing our emotions so that we don't get hurt. That's just yeah. how we both grew up, unfortunately. So mm-hmm. it's like a little bit of a time bomb to have those two types of people, neither one knowing how to be vulnerable and engaging the other person in that. So while getting hurt and not admitting that hurt. you're hurt. Yeah. <laughs> How'd you learn yeah, it? Yeah. How'd you learn it? If you both didn't see it growing up, you didn't experience it. How'd you learn it? How do we learn it? Uh, the first person that explained it to me was, uh, I call him a uh, redemptive therapist, you know, um, where he, he just explained, he dropped books like A Body Keeps the Score, uh, Friends Drop Other Books, like The Soul of Shame, um, people like Dr. Carolyn Lee, you know, Brain Toxicity. But he was, he was really the first person to give me clarity on what it means to release and admit what the, the the emotions that you have on the inside are because that's who you truly are, you know? And he had this thing, he said, he said, just because it rains outside, you don't have to respond to the rain and the lightning the same. He said, that, that may be how you responded to it growing up. And I go, well, what are the other options other than endure? He goes, <laughs> you know? And I remember asking him, like, hey, man, you know, is that possible? He goes, it is possible, you know? And I think for me, if I'm resolved to stay with Adam, but neither one of us are being vulnerable and we're storing up this like dam of emotion and we're like injuring each other, it really is like, it just becomes a, I got to figure out another way. 
or I am going to leave or we are going to kill each other. You know what I mean? So I think it was just enough is enough in some areas for both of us. Uh, you know, he did learn a lot from counselor bringing us home, sort of sharing it and then just the practice. And it was really hard. I mean, sometimes letting him be vulnerable and tell everything he felt and then trying to respond to that was harder than like fighting. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like, you're just not used to seeing this big, strong man or even yourself, this strong black woman um, have these kinds of like conversations. And it just took so much out of me. I even remember uh, I was getting sick, like stress wise, just like so much stress was in my body. But I didn't know that because that's swear on this. I've been told like ah, anxiety, that's white women deal with that. Black women, you know, they don't have anxiety. And so I'm like, oh, hmm. well, then either I don't tell anybody or maybe this is an anxiety that's making me sick. Maybe it's food, you know? So mm-hmm. I was, the body keeps the score and all these things you have to realize, like, Dontoya, the things that you, that happened to you were not normal. And you, you roll them off as though that stuff was normal. That stuff needs to be handled. That stuff's in your marriage, you know? So I think it was just like enough's enough. You just really cannot function this way. You're going to get sick. Mm-hmm. You're going to kill each other. And so little by little, very imperfectly, we had to work through that and still are. Mm-hmm. So Adam, Adam's a pretty creative guy. He's got a lot of ideas, mm-hmm. a lot of ideas. Am I right in that? Is that a fair? Is that a, and, and he has created a lot of things. So talk to me about what that what it's like being married to that level of creativity, both the highs, the lows, the uh, how, how do you how do you handle that? Uh, I mean, I would say the highs are that just he's good at a lot of stuff. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like for a lot of years, there were times where it was just kind of like, I felt like I couldn't keep up. You know, I feel like when I was the special identity of who I was, I, I'm talented. I can sing. I can do things. And then you marry Adam and you sort of become Adam's wife. And I'm like, ah, hold up. You know what I mean? Like, so I think for a long time, it wasn't like trying. I sort of just like, okay, well, I guess I'm Adam's wife, you know, because that's the hard part. That's the low part of just the person that can do all things, you know, like Mm -hmm. Adam's done our friend's makeup at our wedding, you know, because he understands color, you know, like, like, it's just like from that, sewing clothes to like designing video. It's just, it's just, he's the best chef. Like the spectrum is just, it's, it's too much. So I think that's probably the low, but the high is just to realize you need to benefit from that. Like he has ideas, you have ideas. He has all the equipment of all the things he's ever put out. Like it's time for you just to step in and embrace that. Any sort of jealousy or concern about that. So, I mean, it was difficult for some time, but it should be nothing but an added benefit, you know. Mm. Do you, uh, are you a big dreamer like him? I mean, or, or does the dreams, do you feel like you've got dreams that you're holding on to that you really want to go after, but because Adam's got so much going and so much that you're kind of holding back, do you ever feel... Um, I felt in seasons I felt that way, but I also think that I didn't realize how having three kids, like even when we just had two, it just impacted my personality and impacted my like, I'm not, I'm not very good at juggling. You know, I got this one ball and I just want to throw it and catch it. And when I had kids and we homeschooled and all the things, it just felt like I don't have the brain capacity. I am a dreamer. I do have ideas, but I just would, and he would get kind of frustrated at me. Like you, you are creative. Why won't you do that? But I'm like, my, I, I just, right now I'm just throwing and catching this kids, feeding, nursing, being up. And it's only now that I, I, now that we've had this oopsie baby, <laughs> we love so much, you know, like <laughs> big gap. 
it's like, okay, you either learn how to juggle two balls or you end up being 50, you know, and Before never having to do anything. Yeah. 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 So I think that's kind of where I am right now. It's like, you know, you've got to do some stuff. Mm, that's good. So there's been some moments that in the midst of creating things, I mean, Adam, I've, I've watched you at a distance for a lot of years and I think the first time was with some, uh, was it sunglasses that I first met? Is there a sunglasses? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's been all of these things you've done have been, I would say, a journey of finding true purpose, it seems like, from an outsider's perspective. Um, and in the midst of that, I'm sure there's been moments where things haven't worked the way you wanted to. So I'm curious, as a couple and each individually, like when things don't work as you planned, what do you do? Like, how do you, how do you process that? Cause, cause these, and again, I've been watching you from a distance, like the work you're doing matters and has meaning and deep purpose in it. And there's gotta be some really hard moments throughout that process. Can, can you share a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, I could go internally. Um, I mean, there were probably two albums I could think of two things, which happened to be two albums that I could think of that didn't hit the way that they should, though the branding and music was there. It was one album called Go Rush, maybe one day. Um, and I would say my mentality has been I, I developed it early, just like you gotta do all that you can, maximize your resources, your skill sets, your connections, and just lead the results to God, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Um, and some days you're at peace with it, it's, it's tough because then you're questioning relationships. You're like, man, why didn't that person jump on? They said it was going to do it. And then you're hitting them up like, hey, man, think you got to remind them and then emails and all this, right? And then you just got to sit back. You're like, man, that one email tweet, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's not really going to change the, the, the game, so to speak. Um, but I'm a, I've always been told, and this is from my sports background, that you just continuously putting in reps, right? Mm-hmm. So in sports, I, I was always told, like, even if you don't have a good day at the gym, you can have one the next day. Mm-hmm. The, the important thing is to show up the next day, you know? So that's what I try to do. So if a project doesn't go the next the way that I think it should, I go, I got to show up on that next project. Mm-hmm. What's been your most meaningful project, your most for you personally, not success, but meaning. Yeah. Um, I would, I would definitely say this stuff, but I, I would go with the, the documentary that I shot in Ghana on the, uh, the slave trade, being able to see Northern Ghana and the terrain and seeing how long, how far they would have walked, what they were sold for going in those slave dungeons, seeing the dungeons and then the churches right above the dungeons, seeing the door of no return. I, I would literally say that that really altered my, my mind because I read a lot about it, but then to see it, I go, there's no way anybody should have made it through that. Like there, I will go on record just naturally. There should not be, a brown face in America. Just just thinking of the terrain, the the, the mental space and the physical ability. They're, all of them should have been extinct. Mm-hmm. So having the ability to just walk through that, tell that story, talk to a good man, like you know, you know, bishops to you know, fish market sellers. I it really felt like I was I was supposed to be telling their story because their story couldn't be told in the past. Mm-hmm. So you have an eleven and an eight year old, and this moment in time is there's a lot happening right now, right? And so um, I'm just curious if you could kind of unpack this. Like, what are you teaching your kids in the midst of 
all that is happening right now? Like, how are you walking through this with them? Well, it's funny because, well, our daughter is, she's 11, but she started reading right before she turned four. She's like the, like, just this smart, intuitive kid. And we had to tell her when she was five about Mike Brown, because, Mm -hmm. you know, we had people over for Thanksgiving and we were on our phones a lot. And so she just, we knew she was absorbing it. So Adam was like, I need to tell her what has happened. Um, and I, she just is so, so I remember her being in the backseat with our little boy who at the time three and they, she was reading a book and Zane goes, Oh, look, the police. And she goes, be careful, Zane. They'll either help you or they'll kill you. And she just went back to reading her book. And I thought, you know, as, as much as we tried to make things sound a certain way, she has internalized things. She's been reading about the civil rights since she was four. I mean, she really is very like intuitive. So I think now that she's 11, Mm. she really picks it up as we pick it up. You know what I mean? Like she understands the story of America probably better than I do in some senses. So I think for her, we just have to let her, you know, I don't show her any videos of, you know what I mean? I'm not going to put that anxiety on her, but she knows this, these things happen. She she wrote a song. No one, no one told her to do anything. But the night before bed, she was like, I wrote a story about all this, a song about all that's gone in the world. (laughs) And Adam laughed because it started off with bang, 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 the gun. We're like, whoa. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Like, that's so just aggressive. <laughs> so aggressive. <laughs> but, I mean, you have to let them live in where they are. And our eight-year-old, he's not really there, but he understands. He, understands. he wants to see your protest videos. He wants to see what daddy's been doing. Like, so they are, we, we just kind of let them, they're, to me, they're like mini adults. You know, we just mm-hmm. let them the conversation go around them, whatever questions you have. But mm-hmm. it's I think for black people, it's we really have been teaching and preparing them about this stuff. It's our history. It's yeah. our culture. Yeah. So, so so they were tiny people. Yeah. 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 Good. When do you have um, when do you start? Is each kid different where you have like the conversation, the race conversation? Um, I do it more on this is a book by a guy named PSJ. Uh, talks about understanding kids and, and how they learn. And uh, essentially, they say from zero to nine is that space where you want to watch how they learn. Mm-hmm. So that I just look at how my kids learn. And when they start to articulate things on their own, lets me know that they can grasp certain concepts. Mm-hmm. And so the biggest thing that I always want to prepare their, them for is just the world outside the home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could, that could be, be anything like my daughter. I remember we had to have a conversation about, um, you know, every friend group ain't going to let you in, you know, mm-hmm. uh, when she was doing gymnastics. Yeah. Right. And just mm-hmm. saying like, Hey, mommy and daddy see you this way, but everybody's not going to see you this way. And then may not have this conclusive uh, answer of why, you know, mm-hmm. because she was broken. So when we go into the, um, race combo it's more of the world so i, I will point them to commercials magazines yeah. uh if we're checking out i say hey just look at the magazines there read the words look at the skin tone uh, the world is implying something to you mm-hmm. and, and i just ask like from what do you see the words that you read what is beautiful Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm more Socratic in my method than mm-hmm. I am. Hey, this is right. This is wrong. I'm just Socratic and let them arrive at it. Like for a long time, we didn't even use the words uh, yeah. black, and black and white. white. We say, hey, what do you what do you think the skin color of mommy and daddy are? What do you think the skin color of our you know friends? Um, and they would they would say orange and uh, brown. brown. Mm-hmm. You know, 
And they said that still. I mean, they're 11 and yeah. 8. And my daughter may say white, but most they say orange people still. Yeah. <laughs> we don't correct them. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's just, you know, we're, we're more uh, in that approach. But when you start seeing the quote unquote uh, aggressiveness toward brown skin happen at an earlier age, then you have to, you know, give them this understanding and, and help them process that. Because one thing I don't want my kids to be is naive and yeah. unwise. You can't be naive and unwise. So it's just more like being mindful. Yeah. And I think we, and maybe it's homeschooling, but we've always really spoken to like, again, without putting the news in, like I, we have this little book that they um, have and we teach them how to spot the fallacies and like, politics or what people say about black and white. So it's like, you know, it's just like little things like that, where I think, I think as brown people, we know what we went through as kids. You know, I consider myself a beautiful person. I consider Adam a handsome person, but nobody really affirmed that until I decide, you know, you decide later, oh, this is what it is. We want them to, you have to affirm who you are in this comfort, in the comfort of this household at this, around this table. So you can go out to other tables where you're, you're not going to be affirmed in that way, but we're trying to build a foundation in them that starts with like this bubble. You know what I mean? And we work yeah. really hard. That identity. Uh, be, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love it. All right. So going back to some marriage things, I'm curious, I want you to take us back into one of those moments in your marriage where it all came out. Where you are like, man, we don't see quite, we don't see things quite the same. And, and, um, but it was a breakthrough moment for your relationship. Can you, can you, is there a moment that you could think of back to that, that comes to mind? Like we don't see things the same. Yeah. Just like seeing things from two different perspectives, but like, wow, we leaned into this and it may have been that moment of starting to talk about vulnerability, but it could be something else. I'm just curious. Uh, I don't know for me, I think pretty on, pretty Pretty early early on. on. Yeah. We, we, (laughs) just realize like oh yeah i mean it's just you, you got different lenses um hmm. and you know feel free to speak in this that's not an issue for me the issue is if you want me to come over to your lens and if i don't it's it, a it's a problem like I, i'm fine it's like hey we just don't see the same but we still can hang out and have fun hmm. you know and, and and in my head i go i don't i don't think the goal is to see the goal is to validate your different perspective and say, I can still learn from that, you know? So for me, this is like, uh, and I, I'll tell her in a second, like, I'm not trying to convince you of where I'm at. I'm just, I'm just telling you this is where I am and you could choose to understand it or you could choose to say like, man, I, I don't respect that. Now that will be a problem, <laughs> yeah. you know, because in a sense, like to, to not respect where a person is coming from is tough to be in a relationship because then I think you're taking the power to say like, well, my view somehow is, is better than yours and yours is, ah, you know, this, this little thing that you believe, mm, it's not really a value, you know? Yeah. I would say early on, like probably engagement, we were like, Ooh, there's not much we do see exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> so I, and so I hate that we don't have some big explosive thing, but I do feel like it just, it was a grind from the beginning to, to, to not go, okay, well then you don't value me. Like that's been more of the, like, where we had to come to the side of going and that's okay. And for years I didn't believe it's okay. So you mean to tell me that you you don't agree with this or this isn't your thing. And it's really not, and it's really okay. I think it was the trust to go. I am what I am. It is what it is. You know what I mean? So I think it's, mm-hmm. that's the part that's taken a long time to be okay with. 
that, you know, I always thought if I married a man who sang and we both sat around and did like, then, then that's, I would, that's how you become a couple that not that we would, and he would get so frustrated. He's like, Don, nobody's the same. No two people are the same. Yeah, they live the same lives. It philosophically doesn't exist in the world. Y'all live, but it does not exist. Yeah. I don't care if y'all, man, we do CrossFit together. We had the same. No, y'all do the same things, but y'all have different lenses because yeah. y'all have different sets of parents yeah. and different ways of growing up. Yeah. I, I, And if you can let that go. Yeah. I believe you can love the other person all the more mm. because you're allowing them to be on their journey. You're on your journey and you just say, well, we're going to journey together. Yeah. Is that just kind of like in your mind is like that? That's like a bit of a freedom within the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would definitely say so. I mean, it's just like, and honestly, man, there are times where I had to, I don't even know if she knows this. I had to look at the double standards I had internally. Mm. And I said, like, if you, if you don't, if you're arrogant and thinking, I mean, you should spend four hours watching basketball, but then you're like, man, why are you spending four hours watching singing competitions? And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> you see what I'm saying? That's how it's so arrogant. And then you try to break it down. You're like, nah, tell me how basketball is more valuable than the singing. <laughs> oh, because you're just arrogant. You, I mean, you try, you try to justify it initially. But at the end of the day, you just have a double standard of quote unquote badge, if you want to call it that, or leisure that you apply to yourself and you don't give that person the same freedom. And I mean, it is with a lot of things, honestly. Mm -hmm. That's super interesting. I love that. When, <laughs> um, when you, so like growing up and you alluded to the rough life kind of growing up in Detroit. Did you, was it easy for you to have a strong black woman next to you, with you, allowing her to be fully herself? Yeah, so this is a great question. It's a good question. Because I grew up in a matriarchal society. Majority, like 70% of the, my subculture led by women. And the other, you know, the, the majority of men were in prison. That, that is the subculture I grew up in. Um, I'll be honest with you, it wasn't until I got into the white evangelical space that men were supposed to be these leaders and had a vision and, you know, have a plan and, you know, all that invite around, you know, just like all these buzzwords. And I was like, well, I guess I got to have a plan and I can't be, <laughs> and I, you know, so I'm like, well, all right, well, let's do this damn thing, you know. But before that, I was chilled. It's almost like the more I got into it, I was like, yo. Uh yeah, you know, it's like, yo, this this is this chauvinistic. And then I started like, I don't even believe this. You know, like I, you get into it, it's like, I, and she's like, well, this is what I was like, no, nah, I was taught that. If, yeah. if if we really got married the way I, you probably would be more mad at me because I'm just chill. Like, hey, whatever, whatever you, whatever you want. <laughs> That's what I grew up around. Mm -hmm. It was whatever you want and chill. Now, I do remember there was one key thing to where I had to get out of seeing her like my mom, you know, cause, cause my mom, she was, she would be on your head. Uh, and I don't remember being on my dad's head, but she would be on your head. And so there are times I'd be like, yo, you, you sound like my mom right now. But as far as like black women, I was used to just mm -hmm. strong black women saying it, saying what they feel like. Yeah. That's, that's, that's my girl. You know? Yeah, I do think that on both sides, that whole white evangelical church world kind of set us back because I think we came into marriage thinking we were supposed to be something, which neither one of us really were. Or we, wanted to be. Yeah. We thought that this <laughs> is what 
you know, our faith, we are Christians, but we thought that like, this is what it meant to be a Christian. Yeah. Turns out false. It was like a whitewashed version yeah. of ourselves. It was not even close to ourselves. And then I think a lot of the turmoil came from, but you said this all these years ago. He's like, eh, I didn't really, I didn't believe that. Yeah. So I'm like, well, how do we start over? Well, we've laid this foundation of like, I'm supposed to be the soft spoken, whatever, whatever. You're supposed to be this, it's my way or whatever. And nobody really ever believed or valued that. Yeah. Start over and make our course, you know. Mm. And you just said, you asked the question, how do we start over? And you just, how, how did you start over? Well, we've, we've been, we've asked it repeatedly. It's just like, I have to believe you. So, you know, that's the thing that Adam says all the time. The beginning of our marriage is always like, we got to give 24 and 26 year old Adam and Dontoya a break. That's mm. all they knew. Like you mm. cannot move forward and you're like at year 13, if you're still mad about what happened at year one or two, because you can't give them a pass for the trauma of their childhood, for the whitewashing that America did to them, all these things. Like, no manual. Yeah. No, like, I don't believe in relationship evolution where yeah. it's like, yo, I just become mature and drop the trauma. And, and yeah. It's like, no, you got to be taught those things. Yeah. So I think when you say like, you know, how did you start up? It's constantly going, okay, you really don't believe that? Okay, now I have to believe you that you don't believe that. I have to forgive whatever happened that made me so sure that you did. Yeah. And we got to practice a new way. It's just a daily, I have to you and we have to do something different. So, I mean, it's nothing really sexy about it, but that's kind of what we've been doing over the years is like, yeah, I don't. And I think we had so much trauma around that whole church thing that we both have been like, the book's been thrown. I think we know at this point that like neither one of us buy into that. So we still retain our faith. We just took the white part off of it. No shade to white people with the specific term, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not all people, but it really is like, that's over. So let's, let's build something new, you know, and there's, there comes times where we get to a part, like where we go, well, we haven't touched this yet. What do we do now? So oh, that's good. Like, and also just really differentiating, like what was learned from that white world and, you know, that was like forced and learned from it and versus like what's truly coming within your spirit of who you truly are. Like differentiating, huh? yeah, and we are, and I'm just like I'm o- I'm okay with that. So I I come from I come from where people can talk aggressive, passionate, and it's not anger, and you like cool. Whereas most people I'm around, they're like, yo, tone change, they're like, man, you about to hit me. I go, nah, you ain't seen mad at him. Yeah, I was like, most people, she hasn't even seen that. She's seen some very aggressive. I was like, but you have not seen unrestrained. I'm just going live the way I want to live, Adam. I go, that is that is the Adam that had to survive for years, right? So I, I know enough requirements to say, I know you're not that. Now, you can say my language and approach on things get best. I will take that all day long. But the I will devour you before you devour me. Nah, most people haven't seen that because I'm outside of Detroit. Yeah. You know? It's so interesting hearing you guys talk about like, so you learned something which then caused a mistrust or distrust between the two of you. That's just so... And it's sad. It's yeah. really so sad. And, and it's, it's one of those things where even even now, it's like, yeah, say it. Like, what, what am I... I mean, in my head, I go, what am I going to do to you? Like, <laughs> you know, uh, what, what do you feel? Say it. I mean, express it. Yeah, yeah. get it out, you know? Uh, yeah, I think I was saying earlier, we, we are two lions, but we didn't 
you know, we came in trying to like play this role to meet this standard. And then when the standard goes out of the window, then you can see how intellectual someone is, how creative someone is, how, how lovely they are, because there's, they're not, you know, it's just like a freedom there. And I think this Adam and this is Don, this Don Toya, although we'll continue to grow, is who we like the best, you know? So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to go back to that old thing. I don't want to be anything other than what I am. And I would like for him to whatever I am at that moment, as wrong or as right as it is, that's that's who he's with. You know what I mean? That's what we were talking That resolve to be like, that's where she is. That's where I am, yeah. you know? So mm. kind of where we are now. I like it. Because it, it, to me, it feels like the two of you guys have landed in a place where... Um, no one else's expectations can affect our relationship. That's a beautiful place to be. Yeah. Yeah. And and it can still be hard, but it really is like, first of all, we're the only people in here. (laughs) All the stuff, all the little stuff, but we got to go through this with these kids and this life, you know? So we got to maintain that. Our identity is who we are together. We're going to end with our last question that we ask every couple. Is it possible to change the world, stay in love, and raise a healthy family? Uh, depends on what you mean by change the world. <laughs> <laughs> yes, bring it. Let's go. And change the world. Um, you know what? I'll say it like this, just in the question. You have to let certain things go and be narrow focused. Yeah. If you want the fruit of those three things that you just said. Yeah. And there are a lot of distractions. Like, say, for instance, I'll give you a simple one. If, if I want to, quote unquote, change the world, there are places in the world that I've been that I want to change. But if I'm focused on getting a pair of shoes that can cost like $500 and knowing that $500 can mean that my friends in the slums of Kyalich in South Africa can use to build schools, if I'm distracted, I'm not going to change the world, mm-hmm. right? And so those things can always come at you, you know, because you got Instagram too. And sometimes you need to remove those to stay focused. Same thing with my wife. I tell guys, if you want to, I, I don't buy this notion. I don't know who listening. Again, I don't know where you stand on this, Jeff. But I don't <laughs> buy this notion that um, women who have used their bodies to bring kids into this world have to have this bounce back body to mirror the culture in order for Amen. the guy. Come on now. Amen. I'm all in with order, you. <laughs> in order for the guy to be sexually satisfied or attracted to her, I go, no. The problem is you're taking in other standards of women and you've taken it in so much that subconsciously that is your drug. And so when your wife doesn't match that, then so goes the problem and you're on her like you gotta get back in the gym you gotta eat right and i tell my wife i go look you are my standard i i'm taking in your body and if i need to get rid of blah 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 don't read this don't follow that again narrow focus that ain't bringing no beauty into my i go you are my drug so when i see you and look i don't want her to have the pressure of hey i gotta get rid of these scars i go those scars are marks of of sacrifice that should be sexy but because our culture is so superficial, you got women trying to kill themselves, trying to get rid of the scar that tells the story of life. Mm-hmm. Right. So from a guy standpoint, again, you got to be narrow. And then with kids, you know, you, again, you got to be narrow. It's things you're going to have to let go if you want to have real conversations with your kids. And, you know, for us, it's like we don't have, you know, uh, TV in the sense of it's, it's on, it's not in the living room. We have subscriptions. And again, you got to be narrow. So our kids, they know how to talk to you. 
They know how to read. We know how to have conversations. You see what I'm saying? So I think it's possible. You got to be extremely narrow. And I think a lot of people just, they they choose not to put in that effort because they've been conditioned to just be responders. Yeah, I think you can. Like, I think you can do it, but I'm with Adam. Too many things could crowd it out. So I think if you keep the kids and the, the love as the focus, then there's a joy to changing the world together. You know what I mean? The moments you're just busy changing the world and you're not checking in with this and that, I don't really want to change the world. The world can get another teacher, you know, whatever. I get one Adam, so I don't want him or myself to drop the ball on the love and the kids part for the sake of changing the world. But we can if we keep that narrow focus. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And now it's time for the breakdown. He made me cry. That's like a thing that you do. Oh. Like you determine the quality of it, the interview based on if um, so if true. someone can make you cry. It's so true. But I never make you cry. Well, you could you <laughs> you probably do make me. No, you just make me angry. <laughs> now that I think about it. Maybe you make me angry so much that I cry. Mm. You've done that. But you don't make me cry for the good reasons. That definitely took a twist. I wasn't <laughs> you just, you just said the unpack, wrong thing. Before we unpack this whole thing, I did think during the interview about one other thing that, you know, we have in common. Who? You and Adam? Two Renaissance men oh, that we are. okay. Yeah. What is it? I mean, I'm kind of a rapper, too. I mean, I, oh, I definitely... Oh, Lord have some, mercy. No, you did not just say that. Well, I mean, I definitely have some talent. You got some rhymes? I mean, at a lot... I mean, a lot of my friends have received different times a voicemail from the text, me. the rapping yeah. text. And Matt, you, I'd be happy if you, yeah, is that fair? Can you insert yeah. your voice? I've had some voicemails from you that were pretty incredible. Pretty incredible. <laughs> Matt, pull the phone away. He's yeah. a DJ and he knows my <laughs> talent and he sees it. Like DJs can see talent from a long way. All of away. our, all of our friends that are true friends with Jeff get at least one rapping text. A year. So there. So there you have it. But I still don't believe I don't know that, that I'd be considered I don't like, think you're a rapper. Uh, yeah. No. I think Adam still got you beat there. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. But he did also make me cry. And for a good thing. Well, let's get into what were your takeaways? Well, what he made me cry about was the whole you are my standard. Oh, that was good. That's like a good line. First of all, for men, you if you're are listening my right standard. Now, you better say that to your wife oh, right now. I'm telling you, that was like something you just need to write down. And even if you're a woman listening to this and you need your partner <laughs> to say it to you, write it down and just slip it under the under the door and be like, hey, next time you want you something. You are my standard. Just you say this are to me. my drug. Oh, just piercing my heart. That, that was, was good. Yeah, that was that was really good. That's a Renaissance man right there with those words. <laughs> that, <laughs> That's a good line. I'll be honest. Yeah, oh, that, that'll lead good. that'll lead you somewhere. Um, bedroom. Hello. <laughs> I really like moves. He, I, <laughs> I don't know. I was really moved by this idea that we are trained in some way to think a certain way, and that training at times can actually create um, dissonance. Yeah, between you and the person you love. Yes. And then, and how they were explaining it, then they had to rebuild trust to say, oh, this thing that I've been trained to say and do and operate is not actually what I believe. And you have to believe that what they're saying is actually the true self of the person. Yeah. That progression 
It's really powerful. They and and their story that's it's definitely rooted in this um, white evangelical. They kind of refer to as a whitewashing of a lot of their beliefs and thoughts. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I mean, I even love that they put through in the book the fallacy detective, and they're I mean, they put it in there for their kids and something to teach with their kids. But I think it's even true in their own marriage that they're talking about, right? Like mm-hmm. really determining what's true for them, what they just experience that culture tells them versus what is like their true identity, their true selves and how they want to operate. I love it. And um, yeah, I mean, I think these two are living a really beautiful story and, and a journey of change. They kind of refer to letting your partner evolve, letting your partner evolve, let them be the person that they're becoming. Let them, they said it in so many let different ways. Let them expand. Let them expand. Let them have freedom in relationship. All these different ways of explaining it. It just kind of shows um, just how they're approaching their relationship. I feel like in listening to that, I'm and like, the oh, freedom in that. These people are going to last. They're on a journey together. They're on a journey together sure. versus, well, I think this, you think that, and clash in opinion. They're they're growing in a beautiful way together. Yeah, I mean, I loved what he said. Like, the goal is to not see the same. Like, you're not just trying to blend so that both of you one day will see things exactly the same, but you're able to validate the differences in both of you based on your origin, based on who you are, all those things, and then trust in that and in those differences that it will be okay, Mm. that you'll be okay, that you're still uh, known and loved by your partner. Totally. I mean, if I was thinking about that for you and I, I would just kind of say, Andre, you are my standard (laughs) and you are my drug. (laughs) You just want to get laid tonight. That's for sure. (laughs) That is the goal right there. Thank you. (laughs) I owe you. <laughs> I owe you. <laughs> oh, that was good. That was good. Thank you so much for this listening with us on this episode. Thank you, Adam and Dantoya. Your voice really impacted us at a special time. I think it, it was um, something we really needed to hear today. Yes. Thank you. And that's another episode of Love, Love or, or Work. work. Produced by Matt Owen for Soul Graffiti Productions.